0: I'm Harry. I'm Nash. And this week, we're going all the way from November 27 to December 3rd. November 27, 1895. Alfred Nobel signs his last will and testament and thus founds the famed Nobel Prize.
1: What's interesting about Alfred is that uh, he wasn't a great guy in life. Probably better (laughs) in death than he was in life. In the sense that he, he made a lot of weapons that killed people.
0: Well, he didn't make weapons per se, but he was the guy who created dynamite. That's a weapon? Well, it's a it's an object. I mean, Does it kill people? Well, here's the thing. Do guns kill people? Do people kill people?
1: Okay, <laughs> we're not going down this road. <laughs> so, so essentially, Alfred Novell, he dies. Yeah. And then his money goes into a fund?
0: Well, before he dies, this is a crucial thing. He yeah. reads his own obituary, which okay. is something that nobody wants to do. No, it's not fun. It wasn't actually for him the writer mistook his brother's death for Alfred's death, and he read it and it was titled The Merchant of Death. Not a great title. The origins of the Nobel Prize, which is there to celebrate people who, during the preceding year, have conferred the greatest benefit on mankind, was because Alfred Nobel was concerned about his own legacy. (laughs) So basically he was worried
1: that people would think that he was a terrible person. So he was like, I will give money so that people
0: think that I'm a good person. Well, I don't know whether he was a bad person or not, but suffice to say, the Nobel Prize has been an uh, enduring force for good since its foundation. Yeah, well done, Alfred. You've done very well.
1: November 29th, 1877. Thomas Edison, you know, the inventor of the old, the old light bulb. <laughs> to be fair, it is the old light bulb. I, don't, I haven't seen an incandescent globe in a long time. <laughs> Neither have I, actually. Yeah. But he gives the first public demonstration of the phonograph.
0: Ah, the phonograph. I don't know what that is. I'm hoping that you know what this is. I, do, I, just, actually. I just know this happened in history. <laughs> what is what is the phonograph? So a phonograph was the first device ever that could record and play back sound. Right. It worked by capturing the vibrations in the air that we hear as sound and recording them onto a foil disc. Oh, sorry, a foil cylinder, not a disc. A cylinder. Discs came later on. Okay, good. I yeah. was worried that it was a disc, so I'm, I'm glad that yeah. you clarified that. <laughs> so, the phonograph was a groundbreaking invention, but not for the reasons that Thomas Edison thought it was going to be. Okay. He thought the phonograph would be used as an office tool for dictation and letter writing. He thought you'd have audiobooks and clocks that would announce the time and um, all these sorts of crazy I things. I we do. All those things happened later on, mostly mm. in the 20th century, but the most huge impact that the phonograph had was on music. How we recorded, archived, distributed right. music. First C D essentially. Well yeah. I mean it's it's a it's a few steps back from a, you know, a Spotify. But before then, the only way you <laughs> Just could listen few. to music yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Before the phonograph, the only way you could listen to music was through a live performance. So it fundamentally changed the way that we uh, experience and shared music made it much more individual experience. Well,
1: that's fun. Thank you, Thomas Edison, for the light bulb and also the Walkman,
0: I guess. And also the 2000 other patents you've <laughs> delivered us with. And that's it. So, David Bourne on 100. November 30, 1992. Aussie legend all-round good guy david boone
1: (laughs) you're saying this as though you know anything about cricket you're like reading i know who who david uh boone is when do you know who he is yeah okay tell me about him he's a bloke with a mustache isn't he
0: he is boom but (laughs) was he a bowler or a batter uh it doesn't matter because on this day november 30 1992 he scores his 14th century so ipso facto he was a bat S-man. Okay.
1: Well, you know what? I don't think like David Boone is famous for his centuries. He's a great cricketer, but I think you have a story about why he's actually famous. Well,
0: yeah. David Boone earned his place in Australian cricketing history, not only for his exploits on the field, but for his exploits in aeroplanes.
1: Yeah. So I've, I've heard this myth, or rather legend,
0: mm, mm. that
1: Booney was on a flight. Yeah. Right. And he uh, was feeling a bit peckish for some of that sweet golden juice they call beer. <laughs> Pe- peckish for beer? Peckish for beer. It's a mm, bit peckish. Oh, I might have a couple of it's beers. It's very chewy, you know. <laughs> I've never had beer, so I'm just kind of making it up <laughs> with what it is. But this is what I assume it is. Like okay, chewy. So
0: he's a bit peckish for some beers, then what? Well, this is your story, so you, you tell us what happens okay. next. So Booney's feeling a bit thirsty, and he puts away not 10, not 20, not 30, but reportedly 52 beers in the flight from Sydney to England to play in the ashes of that year.
1: It's 24 hours, so you're downing about two beers an hour. What I think he did not consider was the fact that, have you ever had aeroplane beer? It's like $20 a pop. It's so expensive. <laughs> he literally would have spent hundreds of dollars just to have beers. Well, I think, at the end of the
0: day, he probably wasn't fooling the bill, but... <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah, I mean, it, worth it. Yeah, definitely worth it. Worth it. <laughs>
1: November 30, 1982. The King of Pop himself releases, I would say, one of the greatest, if not the greatest album of all time. Not my personal favourite, but a bloody good album. You can't just say... It's the greatest album of all time. Well, Let's say you don't like it. Well, I mean, I like it. I don't love it. I like it. Okay. But right. I think other people have rated it the best. Okay, so who's
0: this king of pop and it's what's the album?
1: Obviously, Michael Jackson, and the album is none other than Thriller. Mm. It's released on this day in history, and it has such songs as The Girl Is Mine, Billie Jean, Beat It. Thriller, a whole bunch of other ones, and it's actually the best-selling <laughs> album
0: of all yeah, it's time. It's got some other ones on there, yeah. It does. Do you want to list every single song on the album? No, no. It's a bit much. It's, it's like, it's the, gra- it's the greatest of all time. That's some other songs on there as well. <laughs> yeah. They were good songs. I just, I mean, the, the ones I said were the main ones. That's true. Thriller was a seminal album. It was made in collaboration with Quincy Jones, the you know legendary producer. Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones got together, and they set out to make an album that would appeal to everyone. So it drew from blues, from jazz, from funk, and it incorporated rock and these new electric synths. It was such a banger. And it, it also incorporated uh, some features from prominent white artists as well. Um, Of course, Paul McCartney and Eddie Van Halen as well. Oh, Van Halen, huge. Yeah, does the guitar solo on Beat It. Oh, that's, did not know that. That's very exciting. Yeah.
1: But we were to achieve equal rights in a human being
0: before. December 1st, 1955. Rosa Parks, she refuses to give up her seat to a white passenger on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama, for which she is arrested and then sparks a revolution. She does.
1: I think this incident with with Rosa Parks is one of the biggest in in history in terms of racial segregation in America. It's, I think, the go-to event. And it's really interesting, though, because a lot of people see this as the spark of, you know, the real revolution for, you know attempting to get rid of segregation, but Rosa Parks has been doing this for for many years beforehand. You know, this
0: isn't her first stand. She's been doing this for like 20 years beforehand. Yeah, like you said, she'd been involved politically with the NAACP for at least two decades at this point, and then she continued to strive for equality afterwards. She actually led a boycott of the bus system in Montgomery after the arrest And that eventually did lead to the desegregation of buses in the Jim Crow South in America. Just so we're clear,
1: Hmm. we're not saying that this one incident wasn't amazing and she wasn't hugely bossed for doing so. We're saying that she's been amazing for 20 years before and for the following years after as well. She's always been amazing.
0: Yeah, always has been, always will be. Always will be.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, that takes us to the end in another week in history. Join us back here next week as we take you
0: to a time before you were born.